Daniel was used to God answering him immediately, swiftly. In fact, in chapter 9, we hear that before Daniel could even stop praying, received an answer. That spoils you, doesn't it? Everybody in here get immediate answers from God? I don't know what Daniel was experiencing, but he was spoiled. But here Daniel was fasting for three entire weeks. No response from God. Worse than being devastated is realizing that there's somebody who can help you out of that devastation, and then you reach out and they're silent. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam Parham. I'm the host of the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you heard that voice in the beginning of this episode and you're wondering, who is that? Uh, his name is Daniel Fekbui. Uh, he's just came on staff. This was his first weekend officially as part of staff. He's the teaching pastor of adult ministry, uh, and this is his first sermon as a staff member. Um, he was on episode uh, about a month back or so, uh, and he was candidated, but uh, we officially have hired him. We're excited about having him on staff here. Um, this is going to be the last week in our series called Daniel, What Are You Afraid Of? The title of this message is Experiencing God in the Midst of Our Fears. Enjoy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you would remain standing, and if you are online, you could remain standing too. We'll see you if you think we can't see you. We'll see you. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Daniel, um, chapter 10. It's a long read, so if you would bear with me. Daniel chapter 10, if you're there, say amen. If you need a little bit more time, say slow your roll. Okay. All right. Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message came to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and that message was true and one of great conflict. But he understood the message and had great understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks, and I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was still on the bank of the great river Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet were like gleam from polished bronze. And the sound of his words were like the sound of a tumult, a roaring of many voices. Now I, Daniel, alone saw this vision. While the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless a great dread fell upon them and they ran away and hid themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly parlor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his voice, of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees and my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. 
And when he had spoken to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you had set your heart to understanding and on humbling yourselves before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Verse 14. Now I have come to give you understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is full at days that are in the future. When I had heard him, when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face to the ground and became speechless. And behold, one resembling a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was in front of me, Oh my Lord, as a result of the vision, great anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains no strength in me, nor has there been breath in me. Then this one, with an appearance like a human, touched me again and strengthened me. And he said to me, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage. Be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said to me, Do you understand why I have come to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. Verse 21. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you continue to remind us that your eternal words are ever relevant to us even now. And Father, we pray that you would use this sermon today to teach us how to biblically approach fear. And Father, we pray as we always pray that the word, that the Spirit of God would use the word of God to reveal the Son of God so that all that we do today would be to the glory of God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. If you're online, you can stay standing. Last joke. Um, my name is Daniel, uh, Daniel Fagbui. Uh, my last name is Nigerian, and loosely translated, that means you made me an offer and I accept it. That's what that means. That's what that means. It's a loose translation there. But I'm excited to be here with you this morning um, as we dig through God's Word. About four weeks ago, Pastor Nathan initiated a series called, What Are You Afraid Of? Essentially, we want to talk about fear and how to approach fear. And so he started that series by discussing identity. What are you afraid of as it pertains to your identity? Essentially, the big idea there was that fear is overcome by knowing who you are and whose you are. And you get to know who you are and whose you are through your devotion and discipline in prayer. So that was that idea. And secondly, Pastor Jared came and shared with you on the same series, but a new topic as it pertains to self-preservation. The big idea there was that in the face of fear, like Daniel, we are encouraged to choose faith. 
but not faith in anyone, but faith in God. Faith has to have an object, otherwise it's useless. And then, sec- and then thirdly, Pastor Aaron, uh, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Nathan came, maybe there's a new pastor coming, I'm speaking prophetically. <laughs> pastor Nathan came and shared on embracing risk. Essentially, the big idea there was that the fear of losing power and wealth or influence is only overcome if you spend that power, that influence on God. And so we sort of broke that down on how Daniel was embracing risk, but more than anything, Daniel embraced God. And today I have the the privilege of sharing with you on the topic I would like to call experiencing God in the midst of our fears. Experiencing God in the midst of your fears. Now, in order to hang our thoughts this morning, I've broken up this, this very short passage into two sections. So what I want you to see is two movements, two observations that I see in this text. From verse 2 to verse 9, we see Daniel's devastation. From verse 2 to 9, you see Daniel's devastation. And then the second section, if you will, from verse 10 to 21, we'll see God's devotion. So firstly, we'll see Daniel's devastation, and then we'll see God's devotion. Now let me see if I could paint the context for you just a little bit. We enter into chapter 10 with nine chapters before. No duh, right? <laughs> nine chapters before. And between chapter 1 and chapter 10, 72 years have already passed. Not seven, 72 years. That's helpful when you read Scripture to remember that it's not all year after year, but there's a gap between some of this. That's why you study and we try to um, study. But 70 years had passed. And in chapter 10, we read that the people of God were taken captive from their hometown, from Israel to Babylon. They became slaves, essentially. And Daniel was reading in chapter 9 that Jeremiah had prophesied many years earlier that God would allow his people, in fact, God will cause his people to be taken captive. And then he read further that that captivity would only last for 70 years. And because it was now 70 years, Daniel was happy. Makes sense, right? My people have been in bondage for 70 years. It's time to get excited. But at the end of chapter 9, something happens that troubles Daniel, that moves him into devastation. God now says, the captivity you went through, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. Can you imagine being in a bad situation and only to be told that it's going to get worse? Can you imagine your family, your tribe, your race being completely wiped out? Can you imagine the hope that you have in the Messiah that is yet to come? You are now being told that Messiah would be murdered and killed without any reference to his resurrection. Can you imagine all of your hopes being dashed and all of your worst fears coming to fruition? Would you be devastated? I would. In fact, if there was a bigger word in the dictionary that I could find that had the letter D in it, I would have chosen that word. (laughs) Devastation is an understatement. Everything that I am, my identity as a human being, you are now telling me, God, that the hell that I've been through will now be magnified in the future? This is where we find Daniel in chapter 10. Devastated. I want to tell you that there are three things that I see in this text 
that flow with what we just discussed. If you look at chapter 10, verse 2 through 9, particularly verse 2, Daniel says, In those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. Verse 3, he says, I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth. So Daniel was fasting from the good things of life. So fasting doesn't have to be complete fasting from food. It could be fasting from the good things of life. So Daniel was fasting. Look what it says here. He says, and I did not use any ointment at all. Ointment would be lotion. So Daniel was ashy at this time. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> he was hungry and ashy. <laughs> He was devastated, but he was devastated for three reasons that I see. At least three reasons, there may be more. First thing is Daniel was devastated at the state of his people. In chapter 10 of Daniel, the decree for the people of God to go back home, to go rebuild their home, was already two years long. For two years, they had been told, go back home. And wouldn't you know it, not everybody went home. The people of God had been suffering from a spiritual Stockholm syndrome, which is when you get attached to your captor, so much so that you develop a relationship uh, almost that you wouldn't even want to leave. They have become so attached to their present circumstances that they couldn't see that God was calling them to go back home. Folks, have you ever been so bogged down by pain and devastation that that's the only thing you know? That even the, the glimpse of getting out of it, you, you find that hard to believe? that I have been here for 70 years and you're now telling me I can go home? I don't believe you. In fact, this happened to slaves in America where they were freed from emancipation through the emancipation and it took another two years for the slaves in the South to say, oh, are we really free? This is what we celebrate on Juneteenth. It's called June 19th where, where slaves will, or African Americans celebrate the fact that down South, two years had gone by before slaves would even know that they were free. And those who even heard that they were free were like, this is the only thing I'm used to. Daniel is devastated at the state of his people. That they were not just physically and emotionally, but also spiritually poor. They were so downtrodden that they didn't even want to go back home. And then the people that even went... When they got there, they started building, and wouldn't you know it, they experienced internal and external opposition from within and from without. You know, my wife and I talk all the time about if the world is breaking down outside and everybody's attacking us, as long as internally we're good, we can face anything together. But what happens when you face trouble on the outside and on the inside? Am I talking to perfect people here who have perfect relationships, who have never gone through trials in your relationship, who have never experienced the fact that it's breaking down outside? Yeah, I hear that, but it's breaking down in here. Daniel's devastated the state of his people. The long-awaited Messiah, he's going to come, but he's going to die. The future was grim. That's the first reason Daniel's devastated. The second reason Daniel's devastated is the status of God's response. The status of God's response. You see, Daniel was spoiled. Daniel was used to God answering him immediately, swiftly. In fact, in chapter 9, we hear that before Daniel could even stop praying, received an answer. That spoils you, doesn't it? Yeah. Everybody in here get immediate answers from God? I don't know what Daniel was experiencing, but he was spoiled. 
But here Daniel is fasting for three entire weeks. No response from God. Worse than being devastated is realizing that there's somebody who can help you out of that devastation, and then you reach out and they're silent. When the only person that should and would care about his people is silent, you're devastated. You're hopeless, hapless, and helpless. There's no help in sight. And as a man of God who had been used to hearing from God, God's silence is deafening. Have you ever prayed for something? For a week? A month? A decade? A lifetime of waiting on God? Folks, that silence is deafening. Daniel's encouragement here, though, was he kept on pressing in. 21 days went by. 24 days even went by until the response came. Daniel didn't quit. Daniel didn't say this holy thing, this spiritual thing is taking too much time. I need to go eat. There's a new KFC down the street. They got good fries. I'm going there. I'm breaking my fast. He pressed in. He kept on pushing. All the while being devastated at the state of his people and now the status of God's response. Thirdly, sometimes be careful what you ask for. Because now we see, look with me if you will, in verse 5. He was at the river Tigris. He says, I lifted up and my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold. He starts to describe somebody that's not human. If you would remember in Revelation chapter 1, this, this starts to resemble the, the, the description of the risen, glorified Messiah in his glorified form. He starts to describe it. He says that his body was like beryl. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet were like the glim of polished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sounds of many waters, of tumult, of many voices. Folk, if I was already devastated at the state of the people and the status of God's response, now I see the sight of the Lord. This I could camp on for a while. God, yes, is your friend. God, yes, is close to you. He's a personal God. But let us never forget the awesomeness of God. As one preacher said it, don't forget the godness of God. If God fits into your imagination perfectly, then your imagination is God. By default, God who made us and our imagination has to be supra, higher, greater than our imagination. And when you stand before that God, what do you think is going to happen? Daniel becomes instantly paralyzed. Look with me, if you will. Look at verse 7. Now, I alone saw this vision. While the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran. First of all, if you run while I'm in devastation, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> let's, 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 just, let's just put that right there. If you, my friend, and we go and we see the Lord and you run, please don't call me, don't text me, don't send a carrier pigeon. We are no longer friends. I'm joking. There should be some grace in that. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but look what he says here. What happens to Daniel when he sees the Lord? He says, they ran, and look at verse 8. 
So I was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me. Watch this. Because my natural color turned into a deathly parlor, and I retained no strength. Look at verse 9. But I heard the sound of his words, and as, I, and as soon as I heard the sound of his word, what happened? I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Okay, thanks for clarifying that, Daniel. I fell on my face with my face to the ground. Where else were you going to fall? But, but the sight of the Lord paralyzes him. You ever been in so much pain and struggle and even fear that it raptures you that you can't move? Later on, we'll see in the text that he couldn't even speak. So he's devastated. He's broken. Afraid is an understatement. The state of the people, right? He sees where they are, where they're not going, and where they are going. And the status of God's response, God who would automatically and normally speak to me instantly, is now far away, not talking. And then the Lord that he was asking for, he wasn't even asking for God. Notice that he was asking for an answer. And God shows up personally. He's often doing that personally. But as a good father who sees his son reeling in fear, who sees his son paralyzed in devastation, now we now move into God's devotion. Daniel's devastation, 2 through 9, and now 10 through 21, we see God's devotion to Daniel. There's three reasons that I see in this text of how we can see God's devotion to Daniel. There's three ways that God displays his devotion to Daniel. The first way we see here in verse 10 through 11 and verse 15 through 19, if you will. You see in 10, he says, Then behold, a hand touched me and laid me on my hands and my knees. So get the picture. I'm paralyzed. I'm flat. I'm parallel to the ground. On my face, right? Remember? On my face with my face to the ground. Okay, remember that? A hand now touches me. I had no strength because of the sight of the Lord. I was paralyzed because of the awesomeness of God. Now this hand touches me and lifts me on my hands and knees. Then he goes further. He says, and he said to me, oh, Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken to me, I stood up trembling. Implicit in the command to stand is the power to cause Daniel to stand. I need you to get that. God spoke and the heavens were created. Jesus spoke and the dead came out of the grave. Now this being is speaking and that man who was paralyzed and flat, lifted up on his hands and knees like an animal, now says, stand upright. And he says, as soon as I heard that voice, what happened? I stood up trembling. God's devotion to us, our time with God, God's power, God's strengthening of us is powerful and progressive. Every time Daniel encountered this being, he received more and more strength. Every time Daniel moved closer to this being, or this being rather moved closer to Daniel, he received more strength. Translation, Christian, believers, people of God, keep pressing into the Lord. Every time you spend with the Lord strengthens your soul gives you strength that you otherwise, like Daniel, would not have. He strengthens him. So the first way that I see 
God showing or displaying his devotion to Daniel is by continually strengthening Daniel. He strengthens him. He gives him ongoing strength. Look with me, if you will, in verse 15, he says, when I had spoken to this being, according to these words, I turned my face to the ground. I looked like Daniel about to faint again. He's always fainting. He, he shouldn't be a boxer. He shouldn't do anything in life. Look at verse 15. He says, I turned my face to the ground, 16, and behold, the one who resembled a human being was touching me, touching my lips, and then I opened my mouth. So Daniel was paralyzed. Then he was on all fours. And even when he stood up, he could not articulate what was going on. You ever had fear rob you of your utterances? You ever had fear rob you of the language to explain? You ever been in grief where people ask you what's going on and you can't even articulate what's going on? In fact, sometimes you might say, listen, I already told him what's going on. Why don't you guys meet, have a dinner, and figure out what's going on with me? Because I'm not repeating myself. Because you're making me relieve the trauma over and over again. Daniel couldn't articulate himself until this being touched his lips, opened his mouth to be able to even utter. It's very interesting that we as believers sometimes, or even the world, forgets the fact that the very ability to even speak against God is God-given. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Did you catch that? The ability to even stand and say there is no God was given by the God that you say there isn't. God gives him speech. Says to him, speak. And look what happens with Daniel. Daniel says here, he says, he says 16, he says, uh, the one who resembled a man touched my lips and then opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to him who was standing before me, oh my Lord. As a result of the great vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have no strength. For how can such a servant as I speak to a, a master as you? As for me, there remains no strength in me just now, nor any breath in me. Look at verse 18. Then the human, the one with the human appearance, touched me again and strengthened me. He continues to strengthen Daniel, progressively and powerfully. The second way that I see that God shows his devotion to Daniel is by saluting Daniel. Not like that, but saluting Daniel, speaking well of him, praising him, speaking good things of him. And sometimes in your moment of fear, it's helpful for people or God himself to come around you and say, you are good. I have made you. There is value in you because I put value in you. In his moment of de devastation, Daniel needed to hear some good words from God because I just saw the awesomeness of God and I was paralyzed. I'm fearful that maybe the Lord has come to judge me. But rather than judge him, he has come to cuddle him, to comfort him, to encourage him. He says, look here, if you will, in verse 10, in verse 11, actually, he says, then he said to me, he set me trembling, and look in verse 11, he says, and he said to me, O man of high esteem. He says this again a little later in the verse. He, he doubles up on this. You know what it means to be highly esteemed before God? If God is the most highly esteemed being, and yet he says your esteem, what does that tell you? He loves you. He's devoted to you. Like a good father, and I love it, like, like, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, like they stole that from God. Like a good father, God is there, strengthening and saluting him. It says, oh, man of great esteem, oh, man of great value. And as a good father, you know your children are ignorant. 
as a good mother, you know that you can't give them always what they ask for because you know that they want to eat candy 24-7 a day and you know that little teeth is going to fall out. You know they want to do things that will harm them, but all they can see is what in front of them, what's in front of them. We, like children, ask for things that we need not, one, be asking for, that if we were to get, we wouldn't know how to use it. And that if we did get it, we might abuse it and abuse others with it. Because that's what the human nature does. It's selfish and self-centered. And so God says, listen, I'm going to strengthen you physically, keep strengthening you. I'm going to salute you, let you know that I love you, I care about you, I, I'm praising you. The God who deserves all praise is praising Daniel for his humility and is humbling himself before God to seek God. Then God now takes him to school. The third way that we see God's devotion to Daniel is that he continues to school Daniel. He lets Daniel know there's more to this world than meets the eye. My brother John and I were talking about the fact that spiritual warfare is something that's rarely spoken of in the church. And how there's either on this side, spiritual warfare, there's a demon in every corner. Okay, stay over there, you're weird. Or on this corner, we don't even talk about it, but the Bible talks about it. And if you believe the Bible, then you've got to talk about it. And now God schools him, and we get a glimpse into what's going on, that there is a lot going on behind the scenes. You mad that I didn't talk to you for 21 days? Look at the battle I'm fighting on your behalf. Daniel wasn't ungrateful. He was uninformed, and God took him to school. He started to teach him that there's still some more stuff. Okay, so I left you with that revelation that the Messiah would die. I didn't tell you resurrection yet because you weren't ready to handle it yet. Now we move from chapter 11 to 21, uh, to, to chapter 11 to chapter 12, God opens up, opens up history for Daniel. You know, the, the theme of all of Daniel is that God is sovereign over human history. And it, he's not a God in heaven who is not involved, but he is actually not only sovereign over it, but making it happen. Putting people in strategic place, even people who say they don't believe in God, because guess what? He's sovereign over all of humanity, not just Christians. And he begins to move people and tell them, I'm doing this all for my glory. That you would know that the God, even Nebuchadnezzar, a secular king, says that you would know that the God of Israel is, it, it rules in the realms of all human beings. God schools him that there's more in this world than you can see. There's a realm that controls here, that the supernatural controls the natural, not the other way around. The big idea of all that we're saying, the big idea of looking at Daniel's devastation at the state of his people and at the status of God's response and at the sight of the Lord and then now focusing on the thing that we need to focus on, especially in the moment of fear, of God's devotion to Daniel and therefore we are God's people, God's devotion to us as he salutes him, strengthens him, and schools him. The big idea is this. Fear is overcome by acknowledging our limitations and then seeking the Lord. You're not going to seek the Lord if you think you got it all figured out. You're not going to seek anybody because you can figure it out on your own. And then like Daniel, you're on your face, you know, face to the ground. He's fearful, normal human feeling. I will never ever condemn anybody for feeling fear. But I will encourage you that it's what you do with that fear that matters. It's where you go with that fear. 
Do you let it paralyze you or do you keep pushing? And do you even stop pushing to acknowledge you're limited in how much you can push and give it to the one who can push you all the way to the end? Fear is overcome by acknowledging your limitations and then seeking the Lord. That's our recap, folk. Daniel was devastated and he sought the Lord. He sought the Lord for the state of his people. Perhaps you're here, you have a relationship that's broken. You have friends and family that you would wish to come to the Lord. Or perhaps there's other things, your businesses, your academic pursuits, personal relationship, romantic relationship, even your spiritual relationship with God. You are frightened at the state of you, yourself, and the state of the people you love. I encourage you to seek God. I encourage you to pursue the Lord. Maybe you're here and God's response, the status of that response has been troubling. You haven't heard from the Lord in many years, many months, many weeks, many days. I want to encourage you to acknowledge your limitations in hearing from God and ask the God who can open your ears so you can hear him to speak to you. And I don't know about you, but I have not had the sight of the Lord. But I am frightened at that. Not because I don't know who owns my destiny, but because he's awesome. He is greater than my imagination. And I have a very decent imagination, right? I still sleep with a nightlight because sometimes I see things. I'm joking. Not really. But whatever I can conjure up, God is beyond that. He's an eternal God. Folks, your imagination pales in comparison to the real deal. But he also veils himself in ways like this that he can strengthen us. This was a Christophany, a sort of pre-incarnate, pre-New Testament appearance of Christ, where he veils his glory and covers up his glory because too much of it will disintegrate a human being. God shows up in those kind of ways through our friends, through our family, through our mother, our sister, our friends, our cousins. He shows up through the fellowship of Christians. That's why it's important to connect with other believers because we strengthen each other in these moments. I don't know where I would be was it not for God. My wife and I went through hard times and miscarriage, things that would have broken and disintegrated our marriage. Folks, that was devastating. But it was God's devotion that pulled us out of that. It was God's devotion and our devotion to God as well and how we pushed in and acknowledged we can't fix this. We're both counselors. We counsel people. But how many of y'all know that some of the greatest counselors can't counsel themselves? You ever seen a doctor who's teaching you about cancer and he's smoking a cigarette? You're like, really? You smoke. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, really? Folks, that's what we have. That our fears overcome. Your fears overcome. Acknowledging your limitations and seeking the Lord. Would you stand with me as we pray and as we move from the message to the Messiah. As I said, you may be here, you may be a believer. I just want to encourage you to keep pressing in. If you've been faithful, realize that your faithfulness is only because God is faithful to you. And that he is faithful, the Bible says, because why? He can't deny himself. Faithfulness is part of his characteristics. It's part of God's DNA, if you will. Maybe you are a believer and you are in the old King James will say you're backslidden. 
sort of pulled back from your intensity with the Lord. I want to help you to understand one thing. The greatest preachers have struggled that way as well. The greatest ministers have struggled that way as well. There's only one who hadn't struggled, and that was Jesus. And he himself would make himself disciplined to take time away to spend with the Lord. If the creator of the universe needed to be disciplined, so do we. But here's an encouragement for you. God is devoted to you, wants you to seek him. Would you acknowledge your weakness and your limitations and then seek the Lord? And you may be here and you may not know God, don't care about God or whatever. Like Daniel, but unlike Daniel, you will stand before God in his full glory. And he will ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, possessive, my heaven, because it's his heaven. And your answer, as you can see, when you're facing God, you're paralyzed at the awesomeness of God. He has to even give you ability to speak so you can't defense yourself. Nobody can get you off. None of the best attorneys in the world could speak because they too have to stand and account for their issues. At that point, you've got to decide even now, will you speak for yourself because you can't? Will you have an advocate in Jesus who will say he's mine, let him in? And if you're in that boat, you may pray like this. You may say, Father, I have sinned and come short of your glory. That's biblical. And I am in need to, of you saving me because I can't save myself. That's biblical. And that I even need the ability to understand what I need to understand. That's also biblical. Accept that and say to him, would you save me? Or even better yet, for the intellectual, would you help me to comprehend what I need saving from and who I need saving to? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that your word is so true, so good. Thank you that we can learn from thousands of years ago that a man named Daniel was devastated and he sought you and experienced your devotion. Like him, like today, many of us in here even are devastated. Many of us have experienced devastation in the past and like it or not, there's more devastation ahead of us because life is just like that. It's broken. We live in a broken world with broken people trying to act like they are not broken. As such, God, we're devastated. Some of us know it and some of us don't. Would you even now, God, in this hour, first help us to realize our devastation? And like you did for Daniel in our days, help us to realize your devotion. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. 
We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.